This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. All right, what is up, everybody? This is Bobby here with Crew Chief's Corner Podcast, bringing you another episode here. And uh, it's a Thursday evening, getting ready for another weekend down at Richmond Raceway. Um, that's where the, the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series are going to be this weekend. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. But, um, you know, I think it's it's going to be an exciting race weekend. We'll get into that. We will talk about CODA and all the craziness of all three series that were down there and uh, Austin, Texas this past weekend. Obviously, we had a first-time winner on the cup side of things. We had a um, a team go back-to-back in the truck series with Front Row Motorsports, so Zane Smith picking up the win there. And then on the Xfinity side of things, we had um, the master. I'll call him the master. The master at road course racing. A.J. Allmendinger picking up his first win of the 2022 season and a big win for Colleague Racing as you look at uh, how this kind of is going to play out for the playoffs for them and, and sort of what that will look like. I think it's um, I, I think it's a big win for for A.J. and we'll get into that um, as well as the uh, as the episode progresses here. So what we're going to do is uh, kind of talk a little bit about what I think is going to be uh, – Sort of an interesting episode because we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about uh, Coda. We'll talk about the finish of the cup race. And a lot of people want to talk about that in particular. Um, you know, I know um, there's a lot of differing opinions of it depending on your fandom. Um, so we'll get into that. We will talk about the date now has been set for April 7th for the um, Ra- I mean, I was going to say Ross Chastain. But for the RFK racing uh, appeal of the L2 penalty, so uh, we'll get into that a little bit um, and, and what the National uh, Appeals Board is going to say on that. I don't really think there's going to be all that much that's really going to get overturned, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think this is sort of – it is what it is um, penalty-wise. I don't think NASCAR is going to really – you know, I don't think the appeals board is going to come out and say – Hey, you know, Brad Keselowski and, and, and RFK racing, you know, we're going to give you back the hundred points. You guys did nothing wrong. Um, you know, I think this is a little bit different than what, what, what happened at Daytona when they got, um, the, the, uh, single, um, nut, um, lug nut, um, you know, taken from them and, and NASCAR later just issued a, a memo on it. I don't think they're going to get this lucky this time around. I think, um, you know, I, I think there's a reason why they got penalized. Obviously, we, we still don't know what the part is that got that they got caught on. Um, you know, there's been some differing reports on that. So we'll get into that. I mean, I just I just think that whatever it is, um, you know, NASCAR has a right to penalize these teams pretty severely. And, and, and that's what they're doing with this next gen car. They're they're holding these teams to a higher standard. Um, and I, and I think it's, it's going to be, you know, sort of something to keep an eye on this year is, is, you know, are we going to look at getting to the playoffs and saying, wow, you know, the, the mistake that Brad Keselowski and RFK racing made all the way back a couple of weeks ago, was that penalty so severe that that kept them from possibly advancing into the playoffs or is it severe enough that it, it it's kept them from maybe being higher up in points? Does it keep them from advancing into the second round? Sort of what the ramifications of this will be at the end. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll get into the penalty. Um, we'll talk about there's some sponsor and, and some paint schemes uh, news that was that was released so far this week. And, um, you know, we know that um, we have a couple of new partners Joining some race teams, I know Front Row uh, Motorsports has got a new sponsor with Navage. Uh, Nasal Care is going to be on the car for a couple of races. So we'll talk about that, give you the details on, on uh, the races they're going to be on the 34 car. There's also um, a driver announcement that was made today. Uh, Buddy uh, Koyfoy, 
I think that's how you say his name. He's going to be driving the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports at um, um, the Bristol Dirt Race. So, I mean, I'm sure that's the first of many drivers we're going to hear behind the wheel of, of different cars, I mean, different trucks there. Um, we know Joey Logano is going to run a truck at, at uh, Bristol. I just I have an idea which one it's going to be. I'll tell you guys later about that. And then, um, you know, we'll just get into uh, the episode here in a, in a little bit. But, you know, first, I, I really think it was kind of interesting. I was scrolling through, uh, you know, Facebook uh, a little bit uh, after the whole situation that happened with, with Ross Chastain. And, you know, it's always funny when you get people that are mad about, you know, guys roughing guys up and and some of the, the nonsense that comes out of a finish like what you had on Sunday. And, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last episode about how, you know, you get a certain type of fan that is now glued to this sport because of the excitement and the entertaining factor of it. And I saw, um, you know, I saw some of the comments, but I saw an article that, that basically said NASCAR fans have got to accept the fact that NASCAR is not like Formula One. And it's and it's basically an entertaining sport now versus, you know, what it used to be, I guess, in this person's mind. And I remember reading this order ar- article. Um, I think it was it was from I don't want to say what organization it's from. It's it's from one of those um, organizations that I, I, I typically don't like really referencing too much because they write a bunch of stories and and a lot of it is the um you know slap some stuff on a on a sheet of paper and 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 throw it on on you know on the wall and see what sticks and that's that's sort of the type of material you you normally get from this group and uh i read through this article and i was i was dying of laughter about halfway through how they said you know oh nascar's all about the entertaining factor and i'm like so what formula one race have you watched that has had the finish that any of the NASCAR races have had this year, because I'd like to see you make the argument that while Formula One's more for the for the fan that appreciates motorsports, where NASCAR is more for the folks that like entertain like to be entertained. And I'm like, well, why can't you be a motorsports fan and get entertained at the same time? I, I just don't understand it. Um, you know, so I saw that article, and I just started laughing because I was like, you know. If you go and watch the Formula One race at Circuit of the Americas, it is not nearly as exciting as the race that we saw on Sunday. And 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 again, I do recognize the sense that NASCAR, a lot of these races can get boring. And, and I've said it before and I'll say it again that, yes, there are times where these races you could probably fall asleep and take a two-hour nap, wake up, catch the final 10 laps, and, and basically you have the information you need to go to work on Monday and have cooler talk with your buddies about the NASCAR race. And basically, you know, the part that they're going to talk about, which is the finish, right? You know, no one's going to talk about the the 30 or 40, 50 lap run in the middle of the race. That was extremely boring because it was basically everybody was following the leader and there was really no passing going on. That's that to me is what formula one is a lot, you know, formula one. If, if you want to do the comparison, it's more the strategy of the pit stops and when they when the teams pit. And then, you know, there's team orders in Formula One. So sometimes, you know, your primary driver, you know, for example, Mercedes, they they would, you know, use um uh, you know, you know, Valtteri Bottas last season, they would use him on one strategy and then they would turn around and put Lewis Hamilton on a second. Well, in NASCAR, you don't see Hendrick Motorsports telling Chase Elliott to to stay out for three extra laps. And then they pit, you know, William Byron, and then Gibbs says, well, you know, screw this. We're going to send Christopher Bell in, you know, a lap later and try to, you know, you don't see that kind of stuff in NASCAR. And whether or not that's not, whether or not I'm a true motorsports fan or not, just by the fact that I don't like the strategy plays that they they do in Formula One, um, I think NASCAR, you know, you do get those exciting finishes. You do get those moments and, and I get it. A lot of it is because of the stage racing and, and there's a lot of people that hate it out there. There's a lot of people that hate that they had to create this playoff system the way they did. But I think if you look at it from a sheer, again, looking at a sheer entertainment value, I understand why NASCAR fans might be labeled differently because we do like the entertaining factor. of it. We do like to see 
um, the action on the track be exciting and something to be involved in. And, and, and I think that that's where I think this person that wrote this article got it wrong. And I think that the people that like Formula One are in it more for the technical reasons and the strategy reasons and, and those kinds of things versus the actual action on the track and what the racing is supposed to be. Um, and I think that's where NASCAR has gotten it a little bit better with this next gen car. I don't want to say it's been perfect because I don't want to see NASCAR do gimmicky things with, you know, plate race or plate style racing on mile and a half. Like I think Atlanta, as we talked about in the last episode, I think Atlanta was a decent race considering it's the only one like it. I don't, and I agree with what Ross Chastain, Chastain said last week. I don't need this to turn into being eight different versions of this same Atlanta Motor Speedway, but be played out at different tracks. Like, I don't need to see Las Vegas get ripped up and become like Atlanta. I don't need to see Texas Motor Speedway ripped up and become like Atlanta. That's the one thing you want to guard against. NASCAR sort of did a little bit of this with the road course racing. If you look back to last year's schedule when they started adding Road, uh, road America, they added, um, you know, I, I know they had the pandemic conditions out in California, so they had no choice but to put the race at the, the at the Daytona road course because if you're going to run Daytona back-to-back, you know, what are you going to do outside of making Daytona a figure eight, you know? Were you going to run the same track and run it in reverse? I mean, come on, how boring would that be? Um, so NASCAR had to do something. They're going to run Daytona back-to-back. One race is going to be on the road course, and that's what they ended up doing. So I understand why we had you know, an extra road course race last year. But I think this year with having, you know, you have the Roval, you have the Indy road course, you have Coda, you have Road America, you have Sonoma, you have Watkins Glen and the Charlotte Roval. You have enough road course races this year. I don't want to see NASCAR go and say, we need to get back to seven because we don't need to get back to seven. One sixth of your schedule this year is road racing. I think that's enough, you know? And, And I do think that the road racing has been exciting. But I do think that certain tracks that they've picked out could lend themselves to some bad races. I can't tell you a bad race we've had at um, at Road America. Road America has been a pretty good course for the Xfinity Series. Um, say what you want, but they had a damn good race on at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last year. What my worry is is that, you know, is the Coda race that we saw – this past weekend, is this what Coda is going to be? Or are we going to see more of the snooze fest that we saw the year before with the weather involved? Is that more like what it is? Time will tell. I, I hope it's the latter. I just hope that, you know, it just doesn't become a wreck fest every single year you go there. Um, you know, but that's what the road racing lends itself to. You know, you get yourself into a spot where you get a, a caution with a couple laps to go and, you end up with guys wrecking each other. So that's just how it ends up. But uh, getting back to that point, you know, I think that the NASCAR fan wants to see entertaining. They want to be ingrained in their television for those, you know, three, four hours that they're there. And I think it also helps NASCAR with the younger fan, you know, the younger fan these days. I mean, you go and, and again, not to compare this to a ball and stick sport, but your your 18, 19, 20 year old kid has a shorter attention span than, than, that, and then people that are my age or even older, you know, and, and there's a reason why baseball is dying a slow death right now, because people can't stay focused for, for four or five hours watching a baseball game, you know, and NASCAR is having that same problem. And I, and I think what they have to do, and I think, you know, the guys on door bumper clear alluded to this a little bit is they got to find the sweet spot when, when it comes to how many laps a race should be, how many miles a race should be. I understand the Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, the Southern 500. Those races need to be at their normal, historic, you know, laps and mile counts. You know, the Crown Jewel races should stay Crown Jewels for a reason. But there is nothing to say that you can't have a 350-lap race at Martinsville and make it exciting as hell. There is nothing that says you can't run a 330 five lap race at Dover, for example, and make that exciting as hell. There's no reason why some of the stuff we saw during the pandemic when NASCAR was doing the double headers at Dover, the double headers at Pocono, the double header at Michigan, why they can't create weekends like that to get more fans to the races, get more eyeballs on the sport 
and create shorter races that the younger fan would be more inclined to go sit and watch versus going and sitting and watching a ball or stick sport, which can tend to be around the same time depending on what sport it is. Obviously, they're not going to watch a baseball game. We know where that's been going. You know, they're not going to watch hockey. A lot of these kids these days in this in this younger bracket are watching the NBA. They're watching, you know, they, they do watch football games. Those are sports that typically you go sit there, you, you invest a couple hours in a game, and you're done. That's what NASCAR needs to get in the mindset of. And I think that, you know, if we shorten these races up a little bit, you might get more fans that way. You might create something where the whole family can go and spend a day at the track. And it's not a, a, a day that you're there at 8 a.m. in the morning until 10, 11 o'clock at night driving out of there because, you know, NASCAR did, you know, all these crazy things. I think if they shorten the days up so that you get to the track, let's say 9 o'clock in the morning, you get home by, like let's say, 6, 7 o'clock at night. I think that's a, a more compact day. That's a more doable day. Uh, especially in these spring and fall months when kids are in school. I think I think it's a home run if NASCAR can find a way to shorten the, the races up, shorten the weekends up a little bit. Um, not saying we need to have one-day shows, but, I mean, you know, make it where Friday's all the practices for all the series like it used to be. And then Saturday and Sunday, you could you could run two cup, you know, you could run two cup races in a weekend if you give those guys all the practice time on Friday. You do the qualifying and all that for the first race, and then the second race dictates the starting lineup for the, for the Sunday race. Who's to say you can't run all three series all you know for Saturday and Sunday? And that way, there you get a, a person, you know, you get two two people to go to that race, you know, that might not have gone because now you're running it back to back days, and you might get some fans on Saturday, and you get some fans on Sunday. You might get people to go the whole weekend and watch both races. But you're giving people options and you're giving yourselves as a sport an opportunity to gain more fans. I just think it's something to look at. I mean, you know, I think the Wednesday night racing was a great idea, but I think NASCAR has got to do some, you know, has got to do something to to shorten these races up. I, I, I really do. I think if you shorten them up and you keep the entertainment value there and, and you do something to get the fans more access to the drivers and and I get it they get the fans today get more access to the drivers than in any other sport but NASCAR doesn't utilize it the way that they should and they really should get them out into you know these midway zones more they should do more autograph sessions they should do more to get the average fan because whether you want to admit it or not there are people that will spend literally a thousand dollars you know and, and sponsor a car and get a pit pass to go walk in the garage area. And, and, and they're the ones that are out there, you know, meeting drivers and all that, where the average fan that maybe had to spend an entire week's worth of pay to bring their family, sometimes in some cases, probably more than that, to bring their family to the track. And they can't even get to meet some of these guys. I, mean, I remember back in the 90s when I was a little kid. You'd go out Friday afternoon. You'd you'd get a driver or two in the in the souvenir rigs. You don't get that stuff anymore. You know, yeah, there's there's kid autograph sessions. I've seen a few of them, but how fair is that really to, you know, a, a fan of this sport for 20, 30 years who, you know, just can't spend a thousand dollars to go sponsor a car and get get in the garage area? You know, I think it's a little bit messed up. But I know I got a little bit off base here, but that's what this this opening segment's all about. I mean, I could talk about whatever I want to in this opening segment. And I just think that those are a couple of little things that, you know, I, I just been thinking about the last few months, you know, um, you know, somebody that's been a fan of this thing for over 20 years. I mean, you, you sit there and you kind of, you kind of see the good things and you see some bad things. And, and like I said, I, I think that when you get to a point where, you know, it's pretty obvious that our fan base needs to get a little bit younger, um, and, and it's something that, you know, I, I, I've been saying for years, I think, I think NASCAR has got to do something. They got to get more, more kids involved in this, in this deal and, and be broader, you know, get involved in air in, in communities and areas that you've never been involved in, which is why when they did the LA Coliseum, I was like, they finally woke up and realized the issue they were having with getting into these cities you know, like a Los Angeles, like New York City. I mean, this is, you know, this area where I'm where I'm at, 
there's not a lot of NASCAR fans. There's very few, actually. You know, I think I know just about every single one of them that lives in this town. You know, so it's hard. It's hard when you don't have the fan base to, you know, in a, in a big market like L.A., in a big market like New York City. It's hard to get butts in seats and get people to go to the racetrack when you're not making headway in these markets. And I think NASCAR has got to do that. But I think there's a lot of things they have to do in order to get them there. And I do think that shortening these races and bringing them to non-traditional tracks is, is probably something they have to do as well. You know, I think we will see more of the L.A. Coliseum type ideas. I'm not saying they're going to run stadiums across this country. That's not what I want to do. Again, you want to create unique events, unique situations. You know, maybe what you do is you run a street cars race in New York City. Maybe you do something like that because where are you building a track in this area? I don't know of an area that you probably could buy enough land to build a racetrack anymore. NASCAR screwed that bird way back in the late 90s, early 2000s when they had an opportunity to build a track on Staten Island and they just totally squandered that you know thing away. And I understand there are some politics involved in that as well. But when you look at what NASCAR is trying to do, you know, what they did with the LA Coliseum, there's no reason why NASCAR couldn't take the all-star race and take it to a different level and bring it to a place like a New York City. And again, you're not going to run a New York City street course race in February. You're just not going to do it. So I understand maybe what they do is they take the all-star race and, and you know, maybe Bruton Smith, I mean, not Bruton Smith, but maybe Marcus Smith has a grand idea and says, hey, we could run, you know, um, we could run it, you know, next year at a, at a, you know, at a short track or something, a local short track. We'll, we'll partner with, you know, insert short track name here. And that's what they end up doing. But I think NASCAR has got to do something down the road. I think they got to do something, you know, if they, if they don't, if they don't figure it out soon, you know, the momentum they're making with this next gen car is going to be for nothing. And I just hope that that's not what the, you know, what happens with this deal. So what we'll do is we'll take a little quick break here on the Coochie's Corner podcast, and we will come back and we will talk about Coda, the Circuit of the Americas, and uh, kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of the weekend. And um, But first, we're going to take a quick, uh, like I said, quick commercial break. We'll talk about our friends over at Circle B Diecast. You can get... The Ross Chastain first win diecast there at circlebdiecast.com. You can also uh, pre-order the autographed edition, non-autographed, 164th scale. I think they're going to have special finishes on that car as well. It's a pretty neat-looking car. Um, so get your Ross Chastain first win raced version at circlebdiecast.com. If you mention my promo code, Crew Chiefs Corner, in the coupon co- code area, it's all one word, Crew Chiefs, no apostrophe. In the uh, S there, just do Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll get free shipping on all continental U.S. orders over 20 bucks. One hell of a deal. I mean, shipping is crazy these days. So go check out my friends at Circle B Diecast and, uh, you know, check out what they have to offer. I just got in a couple diecasts uh, the last week or so. I just got in my Josh Berry, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. dual autograph Martinsville race winner from last year. When Josh Berry shocked the NASCAR world and picked up a a sort of surprising win at Martinsville. I mean, that's one that you kind of didn't expect to happen. And speaking of Martinsville, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be back on track at Martinsville next weekend driving the Xfinity car. He's going to drive the number 88 Hellman's Chevrolet, which you'll get to see as well uh, on Circle B Diecast. They have the autographed version uh, up there as well, I believe, and the non-autographed and Special finishes, you name it, they got it. Brett's on top of all that. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take the break. We'll come back, and we will talk Coda right here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. For all your latest diecast needs, apparel, and much more, check out CircleBDieCast.com. The best part? All of our Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listeners use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. No apostrophe. It's all Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll save. You'll get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. 
Check out CircleBDieCast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. All right, what is up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey back here at the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We are ready to talk about Coda. So let's start with the Truck Series. Honestly, I didn't really watch much of the Saturday races, but uh, Zane Smith picked up the win. It looked like. Um, you know, we were going to have one of those cup guys win. Uh, we had Alex Bowman in the seven for Spire Motorsports, which is running a partial schedule with their trucks this year. Then you have Kyle Bush, uh, who was in his own 51. And then Stuart Friesen was in the mix. Remember we talked about Stuart Friesen last week? And I was like, you know, Stuart Friesen's got to step it up this year. He's got to start winning some races. He was in the mix at a road course. What, what a surprise. That was a big surprise for me. Uh, but those three guys were battling for the lead and uh, Bowman sort of, you know, stuffed it in there and kind of took all three guys out and basically handed the win over to Zane Smith, who picked up his second win of the 2022 season and his uh, fifth career win in the truck series. So a big win for Zane. Second year in a row, Front Row Motorsports picks up the win at Circuit of the Americas. Obviously, last year they won with Todd Gillen this year. They pick up the win with Zane Smith behind the wheel. That number 38 Speedco loves travel centers Ford F-150. So Zane Smith, much like he did last year, kind of asserting himself as a favorite for the title. Um, I wouldn't say he is the odds on favorite for this title. I think he's a guy you're going to have to compete against. I think he's someone that you're going to have to sort of deal with as this season progresses. But we still know that we have you know, I think still waiting on John Hunter, uh, John Hunter Nemechek this year to really step up and, and run well. I mean, this is a kid that we know over the last several seasons um, of his truck series career, at least, you know, last year. And then also his time with his family team with Nemco, that this is a kid that can win races and compete for a championship, um, especially last season, you know, driving for KBM. He had a really good season. And he was a couple laps short of winning that championship. So um, last season. So I think John Hunter is due to win. I think we're going to see that probably this upcoming weekend um, at uh, Martinsville. So not this week, but next week. I think, you know, John Hunter is a an odds-on favorite to go to Martinsville and pick up that win. But uh, when you look at the circuit of the Americas, that was a place where Possibly he had a shot at it, but, um, you know, the boss man was in, cont- was in contention. Uh, Bowman was in the seven truck, which hats off to Spire Motorsports for putting a truck series program together. They get Austin Hill to go run Daytona with them. And, and I think they were taken out in a wreck. Um, if I'm not mistaken, slash had mechanical issues. One of those two things happened to their truck at Daytona, but they go to circuit of the Americas. They have Hendrickcars.com sponsor the truck. So the truck looks very much like William, I mean, uh, Kyle Larson's uh, car does. And um, they go out, they had a, a pretty decent run, and Bowman uh, was in was in contention to win the race. So that's about all you can ask. He has a great crew chief in, in Kevin Bono Mannion. And um, I think that program's, you know, got Mike Grecky uh, in there as well. And, and Mike was um, formerly with uh, Turner Scott Motorsports and H. Scott Motorsports uh, later on. Um, and, and ran their K&N program and did a pretty good job over there. So Mike's a very familiar crew guy to a lot of people uh, in the sport that know what Mike's uh, success has been. And it's, like I said, largely been in, in K&N, which is now ARCA. Um, but Mike has is, is got a pretty good background, even in the truck series. You know, he was pretty involved, I think, with the H. Scott Motorsports stuff and Turner uh, as well, even in the truck series. So, you know, Mike's Mike's got a, a pretty good background. And then Kevin Bono. Mannion, you know that Kevin is is a good crew chief. Obviously, uh, has been in the Cup Series, been in the Xfinity, and and has been a race winning crew chief in the Truck Series. So, you know, hats off to Spire for putting some really good people in 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 place there and in charge of that operation. I think that that seven truck down the road. I think next year the plan is to run full time. I think this year it's it's really to establish the team, establish the program, get some people in place, and and get some some experience for those guys working together and really competing for these race wins and, and possibly them going out there and getting a young driver to put behind the wheel of, of this truck and, and, 
you know, if, if I was, you know, one of their cup guys, maybe one of the guys that's sharing that 77 in particular, Josh Bullocky, I, I would, I would actually consider dropping down and running that truck full time. If you could get Ziggler uh, automotive to agree to it, to go down and run the truck series. I mean, why the hell not? I mean, I think, I think Spire's got some pretty good equipment. I, I, I don't know whose trucks they're buying, but they got some pretty damn good equipment and they have a good crew chief. They probably have a pretty good pit crew. If I would imagine their connections with Hendrick and stuff like that. So I would imagine that that Spire program in the, in the truck series would be very competitive and would be something that, like I said, a Josh Balicki, I think would benefit from, you know, not saying that Josh isn't a good driver, but I think that, He's got a lot of cup experience, but he has a lot of cup experience with Rick Ware racing. And we've talked a lot about Rick Ware. Uh, but I just think that would be a good program for Josh to maybe explore down the road and, and possibly go out there and try to compete, you know, especially if he has an opportunity later in the season to drive that truck, maybe at a, at a road course, you know, like a road America or, um, I don't think the truck run uh, road America. I take that back, but if he could go run Sonoma with them, uh, unless, one of the cup guys goes and steals, steals that. I mean, I can see William Byron jumping in the seven truck hit at, uh, Sono- at Sonoma, which was weird. I mean, one quick side about, about Spire and the, in their, their truck program. So I, I was get I was going through my phone and, and we get the press release that, you know, um, they're going to have, uh, Alex Bowman in the seven truck. But I, I looked at the, the, the subject line. And if I didn't know any better, I would have thought they announced the wrong driver because I was totally blown away when I saw that they put down William Byron is driving the number seven Hendrick cars.com Chevrolet Silverado at Coda. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, well, all these websites got it wrong. You know, if the team is saying that it's, it's William Byron, um, you know, what, what the hell is Alex Bowman got to do it? Then I read the press release and I realized they, they made a typo in the subject line and then they went out and corrected it. But it was, it was kind of a momentary kind of uh funny thing for me. Cause I was looking at it and I'm like, man, they made a big ass mistake here. And then you realize that um, they didn't, it was, it was just a typo, but um, nonetheless, I do think William Byron's going to probably drive that, that truck at uh, Sonoma. I'd imagine what that's what they're going to do. Um, but anyhow, getting to the Xfinity series, um, I, I would say color me surprised that Ross Chastain decided to go down and run the Xfinity race. Um, I would have thought he would have run the truck race instead, just because I didn't know that you know Ross really had any connections in the Xfinity series with a team other than like Johnny Davis, really, uh, or Colleague. But I know Colleague's not just going to randomly bring a fourth car to the track for for Ross Chastain. Um, so Ross had a, a deal that they put together and they put, uh, him in the 92, tr- uh, the 92 car for, um, Mario Goslin and, and the DGM guys. And, uh, he goes out and he puts it P2 in qualifying and, uh, he goes out and has one hell of a race. I mean, my God, Ross, Ross should have won that race in all honesty and swept the weekend. But, you know, Amendinger just AJ being the road course King that he is, was out there and was just able to outbreak him in a couple corners. And, and once he got out front, there was really not much that Ross Chastain could have done. And I think some of that is that colleague has a really good piece under AJ. I think AJ is a hell of a talent on a road course to begin with. And I think, you know, I think he realizes that, you know, despite him winning at Atlanta last year and him winning at Bristol and him winning at Las Vegas, you know, he has an opportunity to go out and sweep these road courses and really and truly put himself in a great spot. And this year, I think, is is going to be different than last year because last year he had Austin Sindrick, who has an extensive road racing background to contend with. This year, if you really look at it, who's the great road racer right now in the Xfinity series? You have Amundinger. You know, we know Justin Allgaier is one heck of a little road course racer, too. But he doesn't, there's not that guy that I would sit there and say, oh my gosh, this guy is going to be a blowout when it comes to the road racing. I think that that's what is going to play to AJ Amendinger's strength this year is that these road course races are going to play right into his cards 
because he doesn't have somebody that's going to be, oh my God, amazing at these road courses. He doesn't have Austin Sendrick this year to compete against. Do I think Austin Sendrick makes some cameo appearances this year? Yeah. I mean, we know now that Penske is is basically going to run some Xfinity races. We don't know how many and we don't know where. But I would be pleasantly surprised if they don't put Austin Sendrick in, a, in an Xfinity car at a place like, uh, you know, Road America, um, Watkins Glen, somewhere that they can get him some extra seat time in a cup, you know, to to um, go with his cup car and supplement that. But, you know, it's not like they can put him in a, in a cup car at Sonoma. I think what they're going to do at Sonoma, I think I know what they're going to do at Sonoma. I think Austin Sindrick's going to go and run a truck at Sonoma and probably run for David Gillen Racing, which I think is – is um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But I really do think that that's where, where they're going to go uh, with Austin Sindrick. I think they're going to put him in a DGR truck and, and let him turn some laps in that 17 truck. I, I think that's what they're going to do. Um, I would be very surprised if they didn't. But anyhow, big win for AJ Allmendinger, bigger win for uh, Nutri- Nutrient Ag Solutions, I believe. That's their second win or maybe their first win. That might be their first win because when Chastain won at Daytona, I think Chastain was driving the Ellsworth Financial Advisors uh, Chevy that year he won. I think that's what he was in. I think he was in the in that uh, he had Ellsworth on the on the on the on the uh, not I want to say the truck, but on his Xfinity car. I think Ellsworth was on there. I don't think it was uh, Nutrien. Uh, ag solutions, but, um, you know, big win for those guys, obviously, uh, you know, that DBC Brett Griffin is, uh, pretty involved with Nutrien and, um, you know, I think that he has some kind of, you know, I think he brings them to the table for calling. I think that's sort of how he plugged in there and why he's plugged in there as a spotter as well. But I think that they're, uh, one of his clients, uh, of his uh, marketing company that Brett has uh, the spot on activations. So if you ever watch DBC or ever watch the videos, there's spot on activations. I think that's Brett's company, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's Brett Brett Griffith's uh, Griffin's um, company, spot on activations, and and that's what he's referring to a lot when he says, "Oh, we had the Nutrient Ag Solution guys out there. We had a bunch of people in the suite, this that, and the other." I think that that that's his hospitality company and stuff, and. And uh, that's where that all goes from. So um, there's that as well. But, um, you know, it was funny. I had a a, a friend of mine uh, on one of the groups was, you know, saying that he, was, he wasn't happy about, you know, the 16 team winning because basically Nutrien, you know, in his opinion, quote unquote, screwed Jed Burton out of a ride. And, and I had to remind this person, I said, well, you got to remember the timeline. You know, the timeline's everything. Basically, what happened, if you go back and look, Nutrient Ag Solutions has uh, has had a leadership change. So they have new management at the top of the company, and, and they were going to leave NASCAR. And that was announced, and, and basically, Jeb Burton was you know out of a ride because of it. And I know this guy's a big Jeb Burton fan, and, and, and I get it. But, um, you know, Nutrient then, like right around Daytona, all of a sudden, decides they're coming back. And they're going to do 11 races with AJ Allmendinger, which was pretty surprising because this was a company just like two months before that announced that they were leaving the sport. And that was that. Um, I don't know what really transpired. I don't know. I don't have insider information. Did somebody twist their arm? I have no idea. Was there a clause in the contract that they had to honor this season? Um, no idea. But anyhow, I look at it this way. You know, Ross Chastain was in that 10 car and, and performed pretty well the season before he had Nutrient Ag Solutions on the on the car. When he was running part-time for those guys, he was he was having a pretty good run with calling. And then his full-time season, they kind of struggled. I mean, I know he won at Daytona and stuff like that, but they didn't really have a great season. So they bring Jeb in, and Jeb, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what Jeb really was hoping to do but you know he got that win at talladega i know there was rain involved he got a race win and 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 i know a lot of people would say well winning a race should should mean you keep your seat 
But at the same time, I mean, if you look at other races, Jeb Burton wasn't really in contention to win a lot of these non-restrictor plate races. And I think that at the end of the day, sponsorship is all based on performance, right? That's what it, it it's based on sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's the sponsorship is dependent on who's writing the checks and who your parents are. But in this instance, Jeb Burton had a lot of these sponsors because of, um, you know, performance and, and also where he landed, you know, he got to colleague. That's how he got nutrient ag solutions. It wasn't like Jeb had nutrient ag solutions prior to coming to colleague. It was really the other way around. And you look, he brought LS tractor in with him. He brought over um, state water heaters. He brought over Rocky boots and a pure year over uh, tank liners. He brought those companies over with him to call it. So he gets let go because there's no sponsorship money outside of his limited funding that he has from state water heaters from per year from Alsco's uniforms from some of those companies that he's been working with for years, but he doesn't have the funding to run a full season at colleagues price which should be noted as well. So fast forward a couple months, like I said, Nutrient Ag Solutions decides they're coming back. They go back to Colleague. They work with AJ Amendinger. They're going to put 11 races together, which is a third of the season. But if you go back and look, Nutrient Ag Solutions was sponsoring 20-plus races with the 10 team when Jeb Burton was there and also when Ross Chastain was there. So there was more races involved there. Um to to that deal and now you know jeb signs on with our motorsports which goes from two teams to three teams this season and you know the funding i think is is going to be something to keep an eye on because i mean i know jeb has sponsorship for this year and he's got some sponsors and they're adding companies like the john wayne plumbing company and some of these other outfits that they're bringing on but it does make you curious as to how much funding is really there and how long is our motorsports going to keep this deal together? Because let's face it, Brett Moffitt is a hell of a talent, but Brett Moffitt doesn't have a ton of funding behind him. Really, the guy that's brought the most funding over to our motorsports would be Anthony Alfredo. And Anthony Alfredo's had an up and, up and down year, but Anthony Alfredo's got one hell of a crew chief in Pat Trison. And I think that that was a good fit. That was a smart fit on on Chris Hour's part to put those two guys together. Um, Brett Moffitt works really well with that 0-2 team. We know how good that program is. The 27 is kind of a little bit of the wild card there because you have Jeb Burton who, yes, has won a race in Xfinity but doesn't necessarily have the biggest pedigree behind him and racing pedigree on his own. Okay, he's won in the truck series. He's won in Xfinity. But if you look at outside of those races, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, like, oh, my God, Jeb Burton ran 10th today. He ran 5th today. He ran 3rd today. He, he's kind of inconsistently finishing. And the other thing, too, is, you know, Jeb has bounced around a lot in rides. You know, he was with Junior Motorsports. Then he was with Colleague. Now he's with Our Motorsports. He was with Turner Scott Motorsports. Um, you know, he drove for some oddball teams here and there. So, Jeb has bounced around a lot, and I, I don't know if it's the inconsistency in the rides that's been hurting him, but you just don't see those finishes that really make you say, wow, Jeb Burton deserves to be in a top-tier ride. And 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 I think that that's like kind of the thing I was trying to tell my friend was that I think that Jeb, while, yes, it could be perceived that he got screwed out of a ride, I think Jeb kind of screwed himself out of that ride, if it makes sense. I think Jeb really put himself in a tough spot. When he went to our motorsports, I think he's putting him, he put himself in a tough spot by not performing at the level that those college cars are used to performing at. You know, Justin Haley went out and won multiple races. AJ Allmendinger went out and won multiple races. Jeb Burton won a race that was rain shortened. Those are the things that people will not, you know, forget when it comes to being a sponsor and who am I going to put my brand behind. So we'll see sort of how that plays out. But I think that that's, you know, sort of where where that all transpired. And I think that's sort of how it happened. But, you know, it is what it is. So let's get into the cup race. All right. So big win for A. Jamin Dinger. 
a big booster, his playoff hopes. Obviously, he's going to make the playoffs now, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And you know he's going to be in contention at these other road course races. You know he's going to be in contention when the series goes to Bristol later in the season. You know he's going to be a menace in these playoffs. So now we transition to the cup race, all right? And, you know, Daniel Suarez goes out, sits uh, second, you know, start uh, starts second, goes out and leads the first lap. Uh, leads the first, I think the, basically almost the whole first stage goes out and gets that stage win. And he sort of falls off the map and, <laughs> you know, ends up not having a great result, had some mechanical problems too. But, you know, you look at this season and how unpredictable it, it has been, Daniel Suarez going out and win the first stage was not the biggest shock that you've ever seen. You know, here's a guy that, that almost won the Bristol dirt race last year. Here's a guy that, it's in contention at a road course race, which he should be in contention at because he's a hell of a road racer too, you know. And and you got to remember Suarez, you know, coming out of NASCAR Mexico, that's what the majority of those tracks are are road courses. So Suarez has a lot of road coursing, road course racing experience in his background. So he should be good at these kinds of places. And this is, I think, you know, the beginning of what you're going to see this year. I think Suarez is going to be in contention. I don't think this was a fluke. I don't think this was just, well, Daniel Suarez was in a fast car and that. No, I think Daniel Suarez is is in a fast car and he's he's still trying to to prove to not just himself, but to prove to, you know, Justin Marks, to prove to Chevrolet, to prove to his sponsors that he deserves to be in the Cup Series because, and I've said it before, you know, you can run off of friends and family sponsorship money for so long or companies that really believe in you for so long. And then after a while, it becomes a results-driven sport. And this is where I think the results have have got to step up for Daniel. You know, he's been in the Cup Series now for six-plus years. Yes, he's got Justin Marks and Pitbull behind him. He's got some great sponsors behind him. Comscop, Scope. Um, he's got, you know, Freeway Insurance. He's got K1 Speed. He's got a lot of companies that are, are backing him right now. But how long do those companies stay associated with him is going to be purely based on his results on the racetrack. And him going out and having a great run at Coda goes a long way in saying, hey, look, it isn't just the fact that Suarez, you know, went out and ran well. It's the fact that his teammate goes out and wins the race. That's the kind of thing the sponsors are like, okay, the speed is there. Let's see what Daniel does. And if Daniel goes out and wins a race or two this year, I think that speaks a little bit further to how good track house is, but I think it also speaks to further to keeping Daniel Suarez in a cup car because he could end up going the, the, the route of, you know, a Trevor Bain and, and end up out of the sport or end up having to take an Xfinity ride with a, a Gibbs or some, some organization and, and try to, you know, re, you know, rebrand yourself, rebuild yourself, rebuild your career. And those are hard things to do. Once you lose it, it's hard to gain it back. But nonetheless, a good stage win for, for Suarez, a tough finish to the day. But overall, Trackhouse had one hell of a race. You know, Ross Chastain goes out and starts picking up where he left off in the Xfinity race. Him and, and, and Amendinger are swapping, swapping the lead back and forth on the last lap. And, and, and Alex Bowman had a shot to win. And Amendinger, you know, moved Chastain out of the way. I think it was in turn 17, and then a couple corners later, you know, Chastain has a chance to drive it in deep. He gets into Bowman, which gets into Amundinger, and it takes care of, of Amundinger. He ends up finishing 30-30, gets stuck in a gravel, uh, gravel trap, and Bowman en ends up, you know, regaining control enough of his car to finish second. And meanwhile, Ross Chastain's driving off into the sunset with his first career win. Now. I know there's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions on this, but realistically, Ross Chastain did to A.J. Amendinger what A.J. Amendinger did to Ross Chastain. The fact that that Chastain, when he got into into Amendinger, it also caused Amendinger and Bowman to get you know uh, hit each other, and that's really what got Amendinger stuck in the gravel trap. So say what you want. It was tick for tat, in my opinion. I think what Ross Chastain got done to him by Amendinger is almost the same thing that happened with Amendinger getting hit by Chastain. 
coming to the checkers. I, I think they're very similar. I understand where some people could say, well, you know, I'm a nigger tapped them, Chastain wrecked them. I can understand the argument, but I don't think that that's realistically what happened. I think realistically you have to look at now you have an extra car in the mix that had had Chastain just gotten into Amoninger, I don't think that would have caused a ricochet into Bowman, which would have caused the wreck that ended up happening. And again, it's not a wreck. It's a spin out. I mean, you get stuck in the gravel trap. That's not wrecking you. Wrecking you, if if, if you want to look up the definition of wrecking, which is what I think the DBC guys need to do, y- you would have seen <laughs> Amoninger stuffed in the back of a tire barrier. You know, you just don't see that. So... I don't understand why some people said that he got wrecked. He really didn't get wrecked. He got spun out and 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 pushed off the course just as much as what AJ Amendinger did to um Ross Chastain. But a big first career win for Ross. You knew this was coming especially after how he ran the last few weeks. I don't think this makes him really a title favorite, but it puts him in the mix. If he goes out and rattles through four or more wins off this season, then I think you got to take Ross Chastain really seriously in these playoffs. But, I mean, right now I think that um, you knew this day was coming. You knew Chastain was going to win. Whether it was at a plate track, a short track, you knew this was going to happen. Um, and for that to happen at a road course was probably the most surprising out of all of it. But I don't think this is the last time we're seeing Ross Chastain in victory lane. Um, and hats off to Trackhouse for having a freaking flag made. I mean, how the hell do you have a flag in a pole, ready to go to celebrate this kid's first career win if you don't even know where, when the hell it's going to happen. I mean, hats off to him. I, I saw that in Victory Lane, and I was like, damn, Justin Marks is on top of it this year. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I mean, I thought Chastain was celebrating the Cup Championship already. My God. That was a big-ass flag, too. That was a big-ass flag they put uh, there for Chastain to go take during doing his donuts. And then taking the victory lane and waving it. Uh, but a big moment for Ross. I mean, you know, I think for any of us that have been a fan of the sport for a long time, you've seen Ross go from the underfunded Bobby Dodder racing to, to RSS racing in the truck series. And then, you know, kind of make his way up to some bigger, you know, bigger programs. He ran part time with with Brad Keselowski. Then he got into the Xfinity series with Johnny Davis Motorsports. Then he got in with Ganassi and, and then Colleague. And then he got a shot at Cup with Premium Motorsports, which then became Spire Motorsports and um, Rick, you know, Rick Ware Racing for a little bit. Uh, but Ross has been sort of all over, and he's a journeyman racer. He's He is a racer's racer. When you think of what the term racer means in the purest form, it, it's Ross Chastain. And uh, for, this, for this young man to get his first career win in the Cup Series at COTA, it's a big freaking deal, man. And, and, and you can't take it away from the kid, you know, um, he deserves it. He deserves all the accolades that come with it. And, uh, he's going to have one hell of a year. I don't, I don't think this is the last time Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain is going to win a race. I think he's going to win multiple races this year. I think he's going to be a menace this year. And I, I don't know what the hell it is with this car, but this car suits his driving style and he's going to be phenomenal this year. I don't think he's your champion, but I think he's going to be a hard guy to deal with. I would not want to piss that guy off this year. So um, that's why I think of that. So what we'll do is we'll take another little quick break here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We'll talk about the crewchief.net, which is uh, your portal to the world of NASCAR news and notes. Uh, the website just got updated uh, today again. So you can go check it out, the crewchief.net. And uh, we'll come back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. And we'll talk about the news and notes of the week. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check out thecrewchief.net for all the latest NASCAR news, driver points, owner points, uh, race results, race schedules, paint schemes, and all, of course, all the latest news and information. That's Once again, that's thecrewchief.net, your portal to the world of NASCAR silly season news and racing statistics. All right, we're back here on the Crew Chief's Corner Podcast. This is Bye Bailey. We are getting ready for the races down in Richmond uh, for the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series. We'll be heading down to uh, our first short track of the season. 
points paying short track of race of the season, I should say, especially should qualify that for the cup car. So um, really an unknown for, for this next gen car, how it's going to race at Richmond. I mean, you know, as somebody that went to Richmond um, last year, um, it was a little interesting. Um, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a, it's kind of boring at sometimes, and sometimes it was really exciting. Uh, but I do think that this next gen cup car is going to provide some excitement. Um, we know how good Martin Truex Jr. was when we were there in the fall race. Um, so we know how that all ended up. And, and when I mean the fall, it was still, it was still sort of summer. It's still sort of summer. It wasn't really fall yet, but um, nonetheless, Martin Truex Jr. had a really good car there that night um, on September the 11th and, and had one hell of a race. So, um, you know, going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays out, uh, in the spring, obviously some little bit, uh, colder weather to deal with. And obviously this being a day race and not the night race, um, sort of what the differences will be, um, for the cars as well. So, uh, you know, we have a pretty stacked field, both, uh, both races, obviously, uh, you know, the, the Xfinity cars have been dra drawing more than 38 cars. So I believe there's 42 on the entry list um, this weekend. I'm just going to actually look real quick and see um, if I was right. I'm pretty sure it's 42. Yeah, it's 42, um, which is the number that's been attempting pretty much every week. And then for the Cup guys, there are 37 cars on the en entry list. And by the way, if you want to go look at the NASCAR Xfinity or the Cup Series entry list. If you just go to the crewchief.net, you'll be able to find the entry list on there. You'll also be able to find the race weekend schedule for Richmond. So for those of you traveling down to Richmond, I always recommend to check out the crewchief.net. Um, we do put the race schedules up there. I know we haven't been very consistent with keeping the website up to date, um, but I've been able to do that the last couple of weeks. So we'll have um, the Richmond race schedule up there. And then obviously, um, once we get through this weekend, I'll put Martinsville up and we'll have all the Martinsville information up there as well. Um, so no trucks this weekend, the trucks will come back at Martinsville, um, next weekend. Um, so they get a little bit of a break and then obviously we know, um, that the trucks will then, uh, and the, and all three series will then go to Bristol. So we kind of get a little bit of a short track feel here the next few weeks and, uh, get to see sort of this next gen car. Uh, on a short track, then go to Martinsville and then go to, to Bristol with the dirt race, which is going to be wild um, as well. So, and that's Easter uh, Sunday. They're going to run the Bristol dirt race. Still wild to me. <laughs> it's still wild to me that they're going to run Easter Sunday at night um, and run that Bristol dirt race. It's going to be interesting. But the news and notes of the week, obviously not a ton Um you know, the, I guess the biggest thing was obviously on uh, the uh, L2 penalty that was given to RFK racing is going to be the appeal of that is going to be held on April 7th. So keep that in mind. That's going to be early next week. So we'll know probably by the time we record this episode next uh, next week, we'll know what happened uh, to Brad Keselowski and RFK racing. If their uh, penalty got reduced, did it did it get re totally removed or did it just stay intact the way it is? Um my my gut is going to go with it's going to get modified. Um, but I think what's going to happen is it might be some points get removed. They might lower it a bit. They might make it, let's say, 75 points, 50 points on each side. And, and maybe they get to keep the playoff points. But uh, And then the fine and the suspension of the crew chief. But um, again, we don't even know what part this is. I mean, there was some talk that it might have been a body a body modification to one of the panels. We don't know for sure if that's true, but that was a, uh, a rumor that was out there. Um, and who the hell knows? I mean, who knows what they're trying to play with um, as far as, you know, what they're trying to modify in order to get these cars to go faster and, and gain that advantage uh, over somebody. But um, it's a big penalty, you know, nonetheless. And I think NASCAR had to do this with this next gen car. They really had to, to curb, the, the, I want to call it the right thing here. The possibility that somebody is going to want to bend the rules and they want to make it to a point where there's no reward to bending the rules with this next gen car, that it is such a deterrent to get the penalty. 
and the penalties be as big as they're going to be this year, uh, it'll be such a deterrent in that instance to prevent you from wanting to break the rules. But human nature is if you make a rule, you're going to try to break it, especially in a competitive environment like NASCAR. So you're going to see these things happen. It's not the first penalty. I mean, it is the first penalty of the season, but it won't be the last. I'll tell you that much. Um, obviously, you know, Bubba Wallace lost uh, his tire changer, and I believe Booty Barker is going to take a four-week vacation because of the wheel coming off at Coda. Uh, so that was a big news story this week. Obviously, uh, two of the three spotters on door bumper clear were kind of concerned that they were going to get sent packing because of the way the penalties were mounting. So um, going to be going to be kind of a little curious here the next, I'd say, few weeks. Um, you know, for some of these teams, how they're going to handle. Um, dealing with these penalties and losing crew guys. And, you know, it seems like each week we have a team that's having issues with tires, flat tires, tires coming off. I know Bubba said uh, a, co- a couple of times already this year that he's felt vibrations and, and by him bringing it into the pit road has probably saved him a couple of loose tires this season. So, you know, being that this has been an issue, I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's going to be something that, you know, um, uh, I hope doesn't get played into the championship, but you know that this is going to be something that teams are going to have to deal with. They're going to have to kind of factor this into um, their season and how they're going to, you know, how this year is going to play out for them. So stay tuned on that one. Um, Navage is going to be the primary sponsor for Michael McDowell this weekend at Richmond. They'll also be the primary sponsor next weekend at Martinsville. And they'll also return to the car for Dover and Darlington in early May. So four races for Michael McDowell with Navage, uh, Nasal Care, so a big uh, sponsorship announcement there for Front Row Motorsports. Conversely, Black's Tires, um, which is a uh, former uh, sponsor in the Truck Series. They were also uh, with RBR Enterprises, which is Ricky Benton's team um, that, that was in the Truck Series for a number of years, the number 92 truck. Um, they've been a longtime uh, sponsor of the Gilliland family, uh, tracing their roots back to David Gilliland, driving their trucks uh, back in the day as well. So um, a longtime sponsorship there. They're going to be on the, the 38 car at Richmond, and then they also return to the 38 car at Darlington, I believe, in May. I don't think they're doing the Darlington uh, fall race. I think they're doing the spring race with the throwback scheme. So. Um, and the throwback is probably just going to be their normal scheme. Cause honestly, that is a throwback. It's like what they've been running forever. So <laughs> we'll see that on the 38 car. Kyle Bush is debuting a new, uh, M&M's product. So they have crunchy cookie as their new M&M flavor. So you'll be able to buy that, uh, nationwide in stores. I'm sure relatively soon, if it's not already available over the counter, um, Listen to me saying over the counter. It's, it's not that kind of a product, but uh, you could probably buy it at your local convenience store slash drugstore slash supermarket, wherever you get your M&Ms. Crunchy Cookie. It's a neat blue looking paint scheme. If you guys are interested in looking at any of the paint schemes I just mentioned, whether it's the black tires uh, scheme, whether it's the uh, Navage nasal care scheme or the M&Ms Crunchy Cookie scheme, that's all available on the crewchief.net. Also available on our Facebook page and will be available on our other social channels soon as well. Um, but really, besides that, that was really all the big news. Buddy uh, Kofoid is going to drive for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck race at the Bristol Dirt Race. That was formally announced today. I knew Kyle was going to get a dirt ringer. I just didn't know which one. Uh, so Buddy will be driving the 51 truck. So um, good news for him. Uh, I guess Truex decided that he doesn't need any extra practice this year at the Bristol Dirt Race after winning that uh, that truck race last season. We also know Joey Logano is going to drive a Planet Fitness-sponsored uh, truck at uh, Bristol. I believe it's going to be with the 17 in David Gillen Racing, but stay tuned. I'm not sure if that's 100% confirmed, but I'd imagine that's who he's going to be driving for, being that he's got four ties and all that stuff. I'd imagine that's where Joey Logano is going to land and Joey's going to try to get some extra seat time. And I don't know why he needs it. Cause he won the damn cup race there last year, but whatever, I guess he wants, he wants to go have some fun with truck uh, with the trucks this year. So whatever. Um, and that's really it. Not a lot going on. Um, a lot of teams preparing to go to Richmond. I know the weather down there has been pretty bad too. It's been 
going to get bad up here. Um, so that's why we're doing audio only this week. No uh, video component because I didn't want the weather to roll in and I lose connection or the internet goes down or something crazy happens. This is all this is all good the way we're doing this this week. Um, so probably next week we'll do another video record and, uh, you know, we'll do our, our normal live stream and all that. I try to do every other episode, but unfortunately this week, like I said, with the weather rolling around, I didn't want to take a chance of it and, uh, you know, lose a connection or something. So that's that. Uh, but for all the latest news and notes after the episode gets released here in a little bit, you can check out the crewchief.net. Also check us out on all of our socials, which will roll after this uh, segment ends. And I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. We are available wherever you get your favorite podcast. We're also available on the crewchief.net, as we've been talking about a lot. And we're also available on our Facebook page. You just go to the podcast tab. And you can check out all of our episodes there. So until next week, everybody enjoy the races down at uh, Richmond. For Cup, I'm going to say I really think this is going to be one of those bizarre races. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be very racy. I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to pick Kurt Busch to win this race. I think Kurt Busch is, is kind of nipping on the heels. I think that this is going to be that first win for the season for Toyota. I think Kurt Busch gets it done at, at Richmond. On the Xfinity side of things, I really do think Josh Berry figures it out this weekend. I think Josh Berry picks up his first one of the season, buying the wheel of that number eight Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. Those are my picks for the uh, for the Richmond Raceway this weekend. We hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll catch you guys here next week on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.